Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramus, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. And today we are going to discuss an older CIC article. The title is The Anointing and the Christian. That's issue five, if you want to find it on the CIC website. So Critical Issues Commentary number five. This was from August of 1992, and it's still just as relevant today. Now, quite often, the response that we get from charismatic leaders or teachers is, touch not the Lord's anointed. So today we're going to look at that saying, where it comes from, and who really is the Lord's anointed. So to get us started, can you describe for us what anointing was in the Old Testament? Yes, in the Old Testament, anointing was something they did once someone was, when someone was being installed that God chose to be a leader. Okay. okay. So um, you would take, Literally, they would take oil, literal oil, and pour it over the head. And so it would run down. Here's God's anointed. That's the one that God set apart to to be a leader or a king or a priest, whatever the case would be. Okay. So Let me read you... one. 1 Samuel 10, 1. And Samuel took the flask of oil, poured it on his head, kissed him and said, has not the Lord anointed you a ruler over his inheritance? Samuel 10, 1. Right. You say in this article, oil was poured over the heads of certain individuals, and in parentheses, priests and kings, to consecrate them for the office for which God had chosen them. This symbolic act, however, also included a real enablement from God to carry out the appointed duty. Right. Example would be 1 Samuel 16, 3. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose and went to Ramah. But in this case, the David, who actually was uh, a, a, a godly king, was anointed. Yeah. And the spirit of God came upon him. Right. And you David, also... by, by the way, is a forerunner for Christ who would sit, would sit on the throne of David. Right. You also cite Exodus 30, 30, and you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister as priests to me. There's the Aaronic priesthood. Right. So in the Old Testament, then, when it says God's anointed, these are not typically prophets or other people as they use that today. These were unique situations. These were the kings God himself had chosen. These were the priests that God had chosen. And it was very it was a very specific situation. Yeah, and I mentioned that in the article in Exodus 30. Let me just quote that. Exodus 30, 30. It says this. God said to Moses, and you shall speak to the sons of Israel, saying, This shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on anyone's body, 
nor shall you make any like it in the same proportions. It is holy, and it shall be holy to you. Whoever shall mix any like it or puts it on puts any of it on a layman shall be cut off from his people. So one of the reasons I wrote this article back in 1992 was that we had preachers coming through town claiming they were the anointed prophet of God or the anointed man of or woman of God, the anointed one, the one with a special anointing, with a powerful anointing, a unique anointing. And uh, so I looked up the idea of the anointing, found that the biblical doctrine is quite different than how it was used. Right. Okay, so they couldn't just take this as uh, it says in Exodus 30 and, well, let's just try it here and try it there. Right. This was God setting apart certain people, in particular, the Aaronic priesthood. And there is a difference under the new covenant. We're going to emphasize that. Right. This was not something you could just go down and buy at the store and anybody could use it. Right. So then when we get to to this verse that says, touch not the Lord's anointed, who is that referring to? Well, here we have, that's in Psalm 105, 10 through 15. Okay. And um, let me just, it's, it's talking about Israel and her leadership. Yes. It says, he per- permitted no man to oppress them. They reproved kings for their sakes. Do not touch my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. Psalm 105. And then I, I said 10 through 15. So there's an indication that Israel and her leadership, when they were certainly when they were right with God, were not to be messed with because you were attacking God's anointed. Yes. I kind of see a, a, a glimpse back at the Abrahamic covenant, though, in that too. Like, yeah. bless those who bless you i'll curse those who curse you right there was a special blessing that was on israel especially as they were walking in obedience to god right many times they went into apostasy and in apostasy they couldn't just make things work by using objects right <laughs> like the yep. ark remember that yep and uh, it didn't work out so so well for the people that took it who weren't right with god Yes. So there's a different, certainly a different uh, situation under the Old Covenant, but it's looking forward to something that we need to understand, which is what it's like under the New Covenant. Okay. And it was looking forward to Christ. So take a can you actually define Christ for us? Because that's a good way to move us to the New Testament. And then... Christ in the Greek, ha Christos, means the anointed one. Okay. And the Bible very much claims that Jesus Christ, ha Christos, is the anointed one. Right. That's what makes him the Messiah, the Christ. He's he's not um, someone who shares his status with anyone else other than the people who are attached to him, all of whom are anointed by the Spirit. And we'll get to that. Yes. So the prophecies about the Christ who would come are prophecies about a unique anoint, anointed one that would come of the lineage of David and would be the one promised 
in many places in the Old Testament. And that's what the New Testament preachers claimed in the book of Acts. Right. And these ones who were anointed under the old covenant pointed to the anointed one. Right. The prophet, I, priest, and king. Right. I pointed out in my article from back in 92, the warning about touching God's anointed one refers directly to the patriarchs and their descendants, the Jews, who wandered among the nations. God told other kings, do not touch my anointed ones. Okay. The question you ask is, does this legitimately apply as a warning not to criticize TV evangelists as it is so frequently used today? Uh, no. In, in fact, a lot of the TV evangelists I was talking about from 1992 turned out to be totally false. Yes. So many of them have just, uh, you know, went down in flames right. after that, although there's a few still around. But frankly... We're misusing the terminology. Okay. Yeah, we need to learn what the Bible says. And the thing that shocked me, I'll tell you what, when I really originally wrote this, I was at that time hosting a pastor's meeting of people who were charismatic pastors. I used to be part of the movement, and I was trying to convince charismatic pastors to search the scriptures and use scholarly tools to make sure their teaching is biblical. And we presented papers and discussed them. And in some cases, I had some good response, at least at those meetings. But I noticed that there's a lot of pressure when you're in a movement to conform to the movement. Yes. And even if someone's convinced that this is correct, because they couldn't refute it biblically, they didn't want to actually rebuke any false teachers that came through. Okay. And so then when, so that's where I departed from that, that idea, because I think we're obligated to warn people about false teachings. Right. But the, that kind of a group and this book we've been critiquing for a long time, but Dutch Chiefs was written in 96. So it's kind of that era. Yes. It hasn't changed in all these decades. Okay. They're still talking about the anointing and the anointed one and and so on and so forth, and not using biblical terminology in a proper way and in a biblical way. And what happens when that is the uh, practice is that Christians, all of whom are anointed, end up being harmed because they're given lower status and made to feel they've got to learn something from the special anointed ones or things will go badly in their lives. Right. And that the preachers and evangelists and now it's apostles and prophets, well, that's been going on for a long time as well. We better not criticize them or the curse will come on us. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And these uh, false teachers are taking the status given uniquely to the patriarchs, to David, to Moses, claiming it for themselves and then warning people that we can't criticize them. Right. That's exactly what happens. Right. That is so bad. That's so abusive. And it should be shocking. I mean, we have Jesus. We have the anointed one. He already came. He died for our sins. He rose again. And those of us who are his are anointed through him. 
Right. To I mean, to say this person over here, that's the anointed one. Well, that's putting them in the position of Christ. Right. And I, I again, I pointed that out over 30 years ago. And just to transition to that, Psalm 2, 2 says the kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed. Right. That's quoted in Acts 4, 26. Okay. It's referring to Christ. Yes. And then in Hebrews 1, 9, Psalm 45, 7 is cited. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of joy above thy fellows. Cited okay. Psalm 9 in the context of teaching about the person of the Son of God. Yes. The very creator who came into our world. The Christ, Ha Christos, the anointed one. Yes. And so claiming to somehow detract from the anointed one by claiming to be some other special anointed one above your fellows is serious sin and error. Right. It's not righteous. It's not godly. It's wicked. Because okay. it is doing two things at the same time. It's a diminishing Christ, the unique one, the only begotten, the only one of his kind, John Monogainos, and then uh, also detracting from the status that every believer has as being attached to the head. Yes. And being anointed. And by detracting from Christ, belittling his true followers and attributed to themselves special status, they are making themselves more aligned with Antichrist than they are with Christ. Yes, absolutely. That's what I show in the rest of this article, which we'll, we'll look at some of that. Right. So, and we see then early in the Gospels, people are identifying Jesus as the anointed one. We right. see Peter. Peter, you say in your article, was calling Jesus literally the anointed one, which was the Messiah. That's in Matthew 16, 17, I think. Mm -hmm. So this is, we have this, this should be so abundantly clear to us. But yes. sometimes, I would say even oftentimes, terms in Christian circles get used so much that we lose the meaning of it. And yes, and this happens not just, we don't want to just only pick on charismatics in this regard, because I'm reading a book now written by some, what I would call post-millennial dominionists. Okay. And their their uh, use of exegesis to understand scripture is so pathetic, it's embarrassing. All right. They throw out a verse and then do what they want with it without spending any time finding out what the author meant, which is the Holy Spirit-inspired author. We're going to the text and telling you good evidence what the author meant. And who's okay. going to argue that these biblical authors did not teach how Christos, the anointed one, is the true Messiah and he's unique? Okay. They're clearly teaching that. That's just baseline, fundamental Christian doctrine. Right. And so how can they 
well, whatever, you're being too picky. I've heard that. Why are you yeah. being so picky? Why can't I be the anointed man of God? Oh, that's, <laughs> I get, just cannot even imagine saying that, but it is what they say. Well, I've been told that. I've had people just outraged that I'd even question what they're saying and doing when they come into town with these claims. Right. Now, I don't want to spend too much time on this particular part, but listeners, if you're if you go and see issue five, he does cite several different verses that show that Jesus clearly is the anointed one. And then you say here, clearly, if Jesus is indeed the anointed one, as the Bible declares, then the term Christ should be uniquely his. Thus, the Bible warns of other Christs who are imposters. Do you want to right. discuss a couple of those verses? Yeah, false Christ. Mm -hmm. And there's one book of the Bible you should know on this would be 1 John. Yes, absolutely. 1 John warns about false Christ. Yes. And there's many other warnings elsewhere, but certainly in 1 John. And what are the false Christs? Are they claiming to be, be Jesus Christ himself who was born of the Virgin? No, they're claiming to be the anointed one. Right. Exactly one what we see today. Is the Christ. Yes. And so here I am. I'm the anointed man of God for the moment, sent by God. You got to come and listen to me. You're claiming to be a Christ. Right. Exactly what it's saying not to do here. Matthew 24, 5, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. Right. Right. And so the way they do it now sometimes is somewhat sophisticated, so it doesn't sound so bad. Okay. One way, for example, is to teach the born again Jesus, the one who lost his deity. Right. So... Jesus, when he died on the cross, lost his uh, divinity and had to go as a mere man and fight Satan as a man and managed to win the battle and come back out. And then take took what he won and gave it, ascended to heaven, gave it to us. And now we've got to use it to fight the Christ. So you have a contingent Christ who's not eternal deity. Yeah. Um. And then you have little gods being humans who somehow get the, the power of Christ in some way so they can fight Satan. They This gets so obscured. Yes. Okay. So you can have this anointing if you learn how to do it. Okay. So just to show that this is exactly how they use this, this is from uh, Dutch Sheets' message from the 2021 Reset Conference. Here's what Dutch Sheet says. Lord, I thank you for the anointing, the impartation of the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the next level of it coming to this ministry, coming to the leaders, coming to the intercessors, coming to those who align with it. A fresh apostolic and prophetic anointing that releases a greater evangelistic anointing and even a pastoral and teaching anointing, so a fresh level of the fullness of Christ, the full anointing of Christ, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, he, Christ, the apostle, prophet, 
evangelist and teacher, his anointing, Christos, the anointed one, his anointing released fresh and anew on this group of people who have hearts to reveal the fullness of who Jesus is to this planet, who have passion to carry him to the nations of the earth. And it is these strongholds that have plagued parts of the planet and oppressed it for centuries. And he goes on and on into this post-millennial stuff. Yeah. So he's, yeah. So he's there claiming a new fresh anointing for the people who are sitting there. Okay. Let's just think about this. This article has been on our website since we started in 1996. Okay. Originally just published on paper only and sent out. Yes. I wrote it in 1992 because that very kind of claim you just read was being made in the 80s. Okay. In the 80s, those same claims were happening when Reagan was president and uh, there were some positive outcomes in America. Okay. Okay. And uh, the Cold War and all the things that were going on. And then there were other things happening. It's just world events were determining people's theology. Then you have this dominionist movement gaining steam. Okay. And I mentioned this elsewhere. There was a guy in Georgia that was a charismatic, Earl Polk, who aligned himself with some dominionists from the reform circles. Okay. Bonds. And I'm trying to remember. It's in an article I wrote somewhere. May not be a main article, but they were saying this is it. Now we're going to get this dominion, right? People, the, we have the anointing, and they still make those claims today. And the charismatic dominionists still partner with the reformed dominionists, and they still quote Bonson, and they and they still quote Rush Dooney, and they're still doing the same thing. Yeah. Gary North, I wrote yeah. a letter to him, and he treated me shabbily, like I was some moron. Mm-hmm. Be willing to challenge him, right? He didn't answer any of my scriptures. Yes, Gary North was a famous dominionist back then, reconstructionist, they call it. Yes, and they were thinking, well, we'll, we'll pair up with the charismatics and we're going to because on the heels of Reagan, they thought, well, maybe this will really going to happen. Well, then Falk ended up totally discredited, Earl Polk, and uh. It didn't, instead of going the way they thought it would, it got, things got worse. Yeah. And so what you just read, Jessica, could have been come right out of the late 80s. Right. It's still the same. It's still the same things. And so the, their uh, kingdom coming to earth without Christ physically present ebbs and flows with the politics of America. Right. So... And it has nothing to do with some special anointing on these higher order Christians that are going to usher this all in. No, see, the charismatic version of it is looking for power and miracles and special anointing. The dominionist reform version has more to do with the institutions. The institutions and the establishment of theonomy and... Theonomy, culture wars. Yes. Christian education. And we're going to somehow Christianize the world through that process, whereas the charismatic one was more power and anointing. Yes. And miracles are going to do it. And so 
And that's why it's so important that we correctly define anointing. Well, and who is the anointed one? You know because... what's ironic about this? Mm -hmm. I wrote this in 1992. Yes. And here we are. It's going on again. The first version was unsuccessful. Yeah. And now it's coming back again. We're going to do it this time. This time it's going to work out. Right. This is what I have to say. The, the, every version of it is just as unbiblical as the one before. Right. Okay. They may have better technology. There was no YouTube. Okay. In 1992, the internet was hardly accessible to anybody. I wasn't on the internet until 1996, which is fairly new at that point. But now everything's out there. All this information is out there. But the content hasn't changed. Okay. Now, the thing about the Bible is it's God's word. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit, and it doesn't change. Yes. Okay? So, dear ones, if you want to have a stable Christian life, teachings that you are going to give to your family and give in your church and teach that you won't have to apologize for later, that what we're going to have to do is make sure our exegetical work is rock solid. Yes. Don't cite a scripture if you can't understand it and prove what it means that'll stand the test. So I sent article. I, I had pastors meeting face-to-face -face where I gave these scriptures. I wrote to the Reformed Dominionists, and not one of them could prove I had the scripture wrong. Okay. And frankly, they didn't care. Yeah. And I wrote an article about the uh, Matthew version where they're claiming we're going to disciple nations, not uh, persons. Okay. That's another version of it. They're still doing it. Right. They have no solid exegesis. They don't even provide it in their books. They don't even try. Okay. They don't even care. And yes. In other cases, the same thing when I was debating Greg Boyd with his open theism. He said to me when we went back to look at the questions people were asking us, well, you have really good exegetical ground for your views. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It matter. Let me just, as we will pick this up next week, but let me say this. If what the Bible says with careful study, so we know what it says. It does. The meaning doesn't change. The meaning is determined by the author, not the reader. Okay. If that doesn't matter to you, and you would just soon be entertained by some fancy preacher who, who tells you what you want to hear, here's my question. Then what point is the Bible at all? Okay. If it doesn't mean what it says and you're not going to care what it says, and you're going to twist it as you see fit, then wouldn't some other book work just as well for your... The only reason they bring their Bible with the leather and the gold leaves is it looks nice and religious. Okay. But if you don't take it for what it means, you're wasting everybody's time because the Word of God is powerful. It, it divides things asunder, it says in, in Hebrews. 
You yes. can teach the word of God with clarity, authority, and lay it out there for what it means, who Christ is, what he did. Get your eschatology right. We're not heading toward kingdom of God on earth. We're heading toward judgment. Okay. And that has power that I don't care what they say about their version of power. There's nothing more powerful than what the Bible really says. And if these false teachers come into your town making these claims about the anointed, anointing, don't be afraid to say, listen, you're misusing these terms. Right. Yes, this was 2021 you just cited. Mm -hmm. You are misusing the Bible. Because the Bible teaches clearly that every true Christian is anointed. Yes. The only special anointed ones are Christ. Yes. The anointed one. The rest of us have different ministries and callings, but none of us have some superior anointing than some other Christian. Right. John makes it clear. We'll get to this next week. So if you refuse to submit to what the Bible teaches about it, and refuse to take your claims and try to prove from Scripture that you're right and I'm wrong or somebody else, then why are you teaching at all? Why don't you just give it up and go do something else? Because you can't help the body of Christ by twisting the Scripture and making false claims. You will always harm people. You'll never help them. Amen. Absolutely. And... It, and listeners, just remember that you can't go to a meeting to get a special anointing. It doesn't work that way. That and happened the moment you were born in, again. You can't sell it for $40 in a little jar. Yes. I'm not saying that she did that. I don't know who does it, but some people do. You can't carry it with you on a cloth. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. Yes. Uh, you can't go to some physical location and the anointing comes there, but somebody... 10 miles away probably won't get it. Yeah. Any such claims show a, an entire false theology, ignorance of scripture and pagan tendencies. Yes. I, and they, I mean, for real, I was Wednesday night, uh, several weeks ago in, in a church service, there they were calling down the anointing from heaven. Well, it, the anointing has already been poured out. At, on Pentecost, and since that time, beginning of the church age that we're still in, everyone who turns to Christ by faith believes the gospel, was cleansed by the blood of Jesus, sins forgiven, born of God, is anointed. Yes. Next week, we're going to prove that from Scripture. All right. And so if you have the anointing, you're insulting God by trying to call down Say you don't have it, you're calling it down. If you don't have it because you don't know Christ, calling down the anointing at a meeting isn't going to do you any good either. Amen. All right. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website, cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramus. And Bob Dewey. We'll see you next week.